Psalm 103, and I'll read the first ten verses. A Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Let's pray once more. God of mercy and grace, hear us now, we pray, Father, as we ask for your blessing upon our souls in the study of your truth. Lord, may it not be a matter of words only, but words that come with power, with the Holy Spirit, with much assurance to transform our thoughts, our affections, our reasoning, to transform our very lives. Lord, hear us, we pray, and for your glory's sake, Help us in the preaching and hearing now. For Christ's sake we ask it. Amen. Amen. Our whole humanity is affected by sin, by the fall. That doctrine that we sometimes refer to by the label of total depravity doesn't mean that every one of us and everyone else is as sinful as we possibly could be, but it does mean that every part of our humanity is affected by, tainted by, our sin. That includes how we think, and it includes what we remember. It has an effect, this fallenness, this sinfulness on where our memory turns and what our memory holds. Now we may have some sweet and happy memories but one of the challenges we face is that our memory often treasures worthless junk and neglects priceless treasure. I imagine that most of us have things in our minds we wish we could not remember. And it may be that times we say, why is it that I forget the important things? Why are some of the precious things and the sweet things, why do they seem to recede? Whereas some of the memories I wish to, be, uh, to turn away from me, uh, they seem to be the ones that spring back. We can be very tenacious with regard to grievances and very careless with regard to goodnesses. We may remember for years something that somebody said against us. We may remember for decades something that somebody did to us in the negative sense, but how often do we quickly and readily recall the particular kindnesses that we have enjoyed or the good things that have been bestowed upon us? We have to work hard for those, whereas the other things just seem to rest upon us. David knows that this is a challenge. And in Psalm 103, David does what he often does in the Psalms. And rather than listening to himself, he talks to himself. And in talking to himself, he gives an example to us. He says, I want to direct your mind. Because, and he's talking to himself, first of all, and then to us. We might say, I am going to focus my attention on certain things. I am going to direct my mind in certain channels. I am going to set my heart upon certain realities. He takes himself in hand and subjects himself to repeated urgings. David seems to be aware that he doesn't always listen to himself, let alone to other people. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, says David to himself. This is who God is, and this is how God has dealt with you. Bless the Lord, David, for his blessings toward you. Do not forget the benefits of God. Do not forget the benefits of God. We need to think about why I need to remember, what I need to remember, and how I need to remember. First of all, why I need to remember. Why would David say to himself, do not forget all God's benefits? I think fundamentally because David knows how prone he is to forget God's benefits. William Plumer says, nothing but the basest ingratitude could chill our hearts or shut our lips. At which point we're obliged to confess that we are too easily marked by the basest ingratitude. I need to remember because the way that I am and the place where I live and the circumstances that surround me push me not to the remembrance of God's favours but to their forgetfulness. I need to remember because I have by nature an unthankful heart. You and I are not naturally primed for gratitude. It is not instinctive in us. Rather, we tend to live, and it comes to high expression in our own day and age, with a sense of entitlement, with the notion that I have not just what I deserve, but actually less than I deserve. I need to remember because I am marked by a complaining spirit. Do you not find your complaints are much more invest in inventive than your thankfulnesses? How so often we find miseries in our very mercies. I'll give you an example from the chapters in Numbers that we've been reading recently. Listen to this. This is Numbers chapter 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So this is a people who are on the verge of the land of promise. And they complain that God has brought them there. We might as well have died in Egypt. We might as well go back into slavery. And you find this spirit again and again in the scriptures and in our own experience. I don't like this food, says the kid with a plate of nutritious stuff on the table in front of them. How inventive we are with our complaints. I haven't got a thing to wear, says the person who opens their wardrobe and doesn't like the choice that lies before them of a number of different garments. I don't like this teacher, says someone who has the privilege of learning how to read or how to count. I'm not happy in this family, says someone who is in a situation very often so much better than others, who have people around them, who love them and care for them. I wish my life weren't like this, says someone who is living and breathing. See, so often, I, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but do you not often find that you are complaining about your blessings you've found a way to turn the good things that God has given you into a reason to be resentful of the way that God is dealing with you. I had to pay so much for my car, which normally takes me around wherever I need to go with uh, no complaints. I need to remember, because I have an unthankful heart, I need to remember 
because I have a complaining spirit. I need to remember because I have a troubled life. Because we often are surrounded and can sometimes feel ourselves swamped with griefs and woes. And those tend to be the things that press in upon us, that invade our consciousness. They're the things that keep us awake at night. When was the last time you were kept awake at night by a blessing? When was the last time you couldn't shake off the pressing sense of a good thing from God? It's our troubles that keep us from sleeping. It's our afflictions that seem to dog our footsteps. We live in a distracting world. And that's why I need to remember. Because the world I'm in entices and seduces me. This world fills our time and it captures our thoughts. Even if it's not taking away that deliberate remembering of what God has done. How distracting do we find it? Again, some of you who may be on social media, you've got your screens in front of you, whether it's messages or uh, videos or whatever it may be. Have you ever found yourself daydreaming for hours about how good and kind God has been toward you? Or do you normally feel, find your, your mind is filled with, with sillinesses and nonsenses and you wake up from those and go, Whoa, where did that last hour get to? And sadly, because of our prideful souls, I am prone to forget, and so I need to remember. You find it again. Let me give you a couple of examples. Deuteronomy in chapter 8, verses 12 to 14. That forgetfulness that comes when, when things tend to go well with us. Is that not a fearful thing? That at the very moment when you ought to be thanking God for his mercies is the time when you might be most prone to forget the benefits and blessings that God has brought upon you. This is Deuteronomy eight twelve to 14. Lest, God says, verse 11, Beware that you do not forget your, the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led you in the wilderness through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water who brought water for you out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end then you say in your heart my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. You notice that even in the list of blessings there that Israel should not have forgotten are some of the very ones that they complained about. Why do we have to eat this manna all the time? Why can't God give us some decent food? Or Hezekiah himself in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 from verse 25 Hezekiah did not repay the Lord according to the favour shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. I'm prone to forget because I have a prideful soul. Like Israel as a whole, like Hezekiah, the king whom God had appointed, I have a tendency to trace back my blessings, not to the God who gives them, but to my excellences, my worthinesses, my accomplishments. And I may not stand up like Nebuchadnezzar and say, see this great Babylon which I have built. But I tend to see what I enjoy and what I possess as the fruits of my own labours, the fruits of my own efforts. And so David deals with his own heart David begins with this threefold call to his own soul bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the Lord O my soul and forget not all his benefits 
David knows that he needs to remember because he finds it so easy to forget. What do I need to remember? What did David need to remember? What do you and I need to remember? Forget not all his benefits. All his benefits. And again, there are a couple of other psalms that just shed a little light on what it is that David has first and foremost in his mind. In Psalm 13 and verse 6, David says from verse 5, I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Those bountiful dealings, brothers and sisters, those are God's benefits toward us. The senses of his endless sufficiencies, the fact that he goes on supplying all that you need as his beloved child. And that's important to remember too, because every creature receives the mercies of God. You may not be a Christian here this evening. You may have very little thought of or appetite for God, but you are sitting here as the recipient of mercies beyond calculation. Did you wake up this morning with the sun shining and then the rain falling? Have you breathed God's good air today? Are you not clothed? Are you not fed? Do you not have a roof over your head? Have you sat under the sound of God's word today? Have you heard Christ speaking to you in the truth? Our Lord said that God is good to all and we should be like him. He sends the sun to shine and the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. There is nobody here tonight, nobody in this town, nobody across this nation, nobody in this world who does not have reason to remember the benefits of God. Paul, the apostle, when he is preaching in Athens in chapter 17 talks about the fact that there is a God who has given to us all life and breath and all things. Whoever you are, you have reason to remember God's favour toward you. Now, if that's true of us simply as creatures, Christian, how much more is it true of you? And that's where David seems to turn in his heart here in this psalm. Do not forget all God's benefits. This is what I need to remember. In the face of all my tendency to forget, in the face of my inclination to ingratitude and complaint, when my life seems to be more full of woes than anything else, when the world would distract me from considering these things, when my prideful soul is lifted up and tends to, to trace the streams back to this poison fountain rather than to the mercies of God, I need to turn my mind to all the endless sufficiencies of God and how many they are. They are beyond calculation or catalogue. I love the fact that David says, forget not all his benefits. Uh, probably very conscious himself that he cannot begin to number out all the excellencies of God toward him. Most of you younger ones, you, you shop online these days. Those of us who are a little bit older, do you remember the catalogues that used to come through? If your parents were anything like mine, one of them was never enough. 2,000 pages nonetheless. We need at least five of those so we can compare and contrast. And they had everything imaginable in them. Now imagine that you had a catalogue of the mercies and benefits of God. How many pages would you require? How much scrolling on a screen would you have to do to begin to cover all the territory of God's favour toward you? Brothers and sisters, the benefits of the Lord toward his people are innumerable. My life is littered with the goodnesses of God, with the sufficiencies of my heavenly Father. And that's just me. What about you? 
What if we went through one by one and said, can you think of a hundred blessings that you've enjoyed from God today? And all of us should be able to do that. And then we'd have to sort of compare and contrast and say, well, most of us have got maybe the first 20 or 25, but the other 75, and that's just today. And that's just with a few moments of thought. What goodnesses God has bestowed upon us, how many they are, and how varied they are. God forgives all your iniquities. God heals all your diseases. God redeems your life from destruction. God crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. God satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There are blessings here for life on earth and the life of heaven. There are blessings here for our bodies and there are benefits for our souls. There are things that we would consider lesser and there are benefits that we would consider greater. There is pardon for our sins. There is healing for our souls. There is rescue from our trouble. There is pleasure in our God. How narrowly we can sometimes think. How quick we are to dismiss things and and pare away. But God says through his servant David that there are blessings and benefits beyond calculation, so many of them and varied, turn to all of the circumstances and needs of his children's life. And then you notice also that the things that you need to remember are divine. They're not just benefits. They're not even your benefits. They're his benefits. They're the endless sufficiencies that God himself has crafted and bestowed upon you. My friends, the benefits that we enjoy are worthy of the ever-blessed God. Worthy of his wisdom. Worthy of his power. Worthy of his goodness. Worthy of his glory. The Lord will not give his children anything that diminishes him in their sight. Properly received. These are the good things that reflect the majesty and the glory of God. God's pardon is a kingly pardon, a heavenly pardon. God's healings are to the very depths of our being, all our diseases, redeeming our life from destruction. He redeems us. He crowns us with his loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. God does not deal with us on a small scale. We may have small conceptions of it, We may have a narrow sense of it, but these are his benefits. He has crafted them for us in the heavenly places. He has poured them out upon us in Christ Jesus. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You notice that David is taking himself in hand because I need to remember that the Lord's benefits are not just many and varied and divine, but they are personal. It's not wrong that if we were to say, write down the first 100 that come to mind, 75 of them would be different for any one of us. That's precisely what you would expect. It's another reflection of the divine wisdom and compassion. That God's not just saying, well, some of them need this, so I'll I'll throw that into the church and see what they do with that. That your soul, Christian has been the object of your heavenly Father's particular regard and care. You have benefits that belong to all his children. You have benefits that have been crafted with you, yourself, in mind. Even the very manner in which he has brought them to you has been carried out in accordance with his compassions and his loving kindness. Not all of us have precisely the same needs, Not all of us are in precisely the same circumstances. Yes, we are all by nature dead in trespasses and sins. And so to be his, we need those great benefits of the redemption that there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But God has made you. He's made you individually. He hasn't made us all precisely like one another. And he has crafted his benefits for your distinct needs. 
He has given you the particular friends that you have to minister to you. He's put you in a particular fellowship for a particular reason. When you think of the goodnesses that you have, they are yours in a distinctive way. You think of the way fathers treat their children. Don't give them all the same gifts all the time. You can be absolutely consistent and yet you will deal wisely with each and every one of them. And so it is with our Heavenly Father. These, if I can put it these this way, not just crafted in heaven, but handmade in heaven. God himself has considered you. Christ has taken you into account. Yes, in the general sense, you were upon his heart, you were in his hand when he died upon the cross, but he is the shepherd of all his sheep, and he takes care of each and every one. I need to forget not the benefits that are sustained. I'll wake up tomorrow morning if God is pleased to spare me. If he's not, then there will be other benefits into which I enter. But you expect to wake up tomorrow, don't you? You expect to get on with things tomorrow? You expect the sun to be shining tomorrow? You barely think about it, do you? Of course the sun will be shining tomorrow. That's what happens in the morning. You expect your home to be there tomorrow? After all, it has been for so many days and weeks and months before. You expect your body to operate in much the same way as it has done Perhaps a little worse, perhaps a little better, but to go on processing the food that you take in. You expect to go to the job that God has given you, perhaps driving in the car that the Lord has bestowed upon you, in a society that is largely governed by the rule of law. You'll go to certain places, that you'll do certain things. You anticipate you'll come back here, God willing, next Lord's Day. Your soul will be primed to receive the everlasting word of God. That the Lord sparing us, the truth as it is in Jesus, will be preached once again. That we'll sing our hymns of praise, that we'll enjoy our fellowship together. That you'll be able to open your own copy of the Bible tomorrow morning. You might even be able to choose from the copies that you open. That you'll be able to sing praises to him. That some of us will gather with friends or with family to pray and to praise. That we'll be able to call one another, encourage one another tomorrow, just like we have today. Why is that? It's because of God's benefits. They're new every morning. We have become so accustomed to so many of them that we just assume that they're going to be there. But they are never failing. And the benefits of which David speaks here, I've just mentioned some of the ones that we enjoy in this world. Are you going to be saved tomorrow? No one will pluck you out of his hand. No one will pluck you out of the son's hand, out of the father's hand. The father and the son, they are one. Will Jesus Christ be interceding for your soul tomorrow? Will your great high priest be representing you before the throne of grace tomorrow? Will you have access into the holiest place of all through Jesus Christ tomorrow? Will you still have a life redeemed from destruction tomorrow? Will your sins still be forgiven tomorrow? Will the sins that you commit today be forgiven tomorrow if you take them to the fountain that is open for sin and for uncleanness? blessings the benefits the sufficiencies of God are as eternal as God himself day by day you are receiving God's good things bear in mind too that you need to remember gracious benefits which of all of the things that we've mentioned or hinted at in the last few minutes do you deserve Not one. Doesn't that make our complaining seem all the more bitter? Our pride seem all the more foolish? 
our distractions seem all the more bewildering? Where do I deserve to be now? In the depths of hell, suffering the punishment that my sins properly deserve. Brothers and sisters, I'm here preaching God's good news to sinners like us. You're listening to it. You're sitting here and the word of the living God is resounding in your ears. And for some of us, so many of us, we're testifying, this is my God. These are his benefits. Yes, these are the things that he is to me. This is what he's bestowed upon me. That I, who am by nature a vile and hell-deserving wretch, am sitting here tonight bathed in the loving kindness and tender mercy of the God of all the earth. That I am an inheritor of the eternal kingdom. That I am an heir of God with Jesus Christ. That I am seated now in the heavenly places with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That I have Jesus Christ. My friends, if there were no other benefit to record, if I stripped away all those good things that we enjoy in this life, if I were to tell you now that following Jesus Christ would lead to a decade, two, three, four of unrelieved worldly misery, distress and poverty, and yet at the end, God would call you to himself in Christ receive you into his glorious presence and bestow upon you all the favours and the blessings of the world which is to come. If we had some sense of the Lord's benefits, we would say, sign me up. Sign me up for whatever happens here, so long as I may be Christ's and Christ's might be mine. Have we calculated properly that any mercy is really mercy, that any favour is a wonder of divine grace. I do not deserve these things. I do not deserve these blessings. Why do I need to remember? Because I so quickly forget. What do I need to remember? All the Lord's benefits. You do know, don't you, how ready God is to bless. Christians, what a bad testimony we've sometimes borne to our Saviour. Do we make the idea of having God as our God attractive? Do our unconverted family members and friends hear us praise the Lord from our souls and not forget all his benefits? If you boys and girls here this evening, anybody who's older, if you are here tonight and you do not yet know this God in his son, Jesus Christ, I want you to understand just how ready God is to bless. I don't even want you to believe me. I do. But God himself is his own witness. Notice how David goes on. The Lord is merciful and gracious Will you not go to him? The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Can you not go to him? He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Can you not turn to such a God? Do you need to be afraid that he would turn you away? Do you think Christ himself will reject you if you go to him this evening? That a God who has poured out so readily, so lavishly, so generously to thousands upon thousands of sinners who have sought him and have found him to be such a God, do you have any doubt that Christ will receive you, that God will receive you for Christ's sake. If you do, put it away. Look through the eyes of David, 
Consider David's sin, David's need, David's circumstances. This man says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And every true believer can, as it were, step into the vehicle of this psalm. And say, yes, that is my God and he will be your God too. No one here has been blessed because they're good. They've been blessed because God is good. No one here has been blessed because we are worthy. We are blessed because Christ is worthy. If you have any doubts or fears that are now keeping you from coming to Jesus Christ, put them to one side. If your sense of who God is, is somehow that there is cruelty, that there is distaste, that there is unkindness there, put it away. God is full of goodness, full of loving kindness, full of tender mercies, and he receives sinners like us. And he makes his endless sufficiencies in Christ to be lavished upon us. So we need to ask then the Holy Spirit to bring these things to our remembrance if they are saints. Are you not ashamed of how rarely, how little, how shallowly, how narrowly we think about the benefits of God toward us? Even the things we do recognise, how quickly they drift away. I can't recall the least part of them without the Holy Spirit helping to hold before my mind the benefits of the Lord. And you will have your own catalogue. They used to come from different companies, didn't they? Grattans, that was one I remember. I know there were others, but that seems to spring to mind. You make your own catalogue. It is one of the benefits of keeping a diary or keeping a journal. You can look back over the pages, over the years, over the decades sometimes. And there they are. That's what God has done. And that's what God has done. And that's when I was brought low and he helped me. And that's when he picked me out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon the rock. And that's when I cried to him and he heard me in the hour of need. And that's when my soul was almost overwhelmed within me. And he brought me to the rock that was higher than I. And that is when the storm swept upon me and he hid me in the cleft of the rock. And that was where he lifted me up and made my feet like deer's feet and made me to walk on his high hills and that was the Lord's day when I had a sense of heaven in the preaching of the word and that was the time when I was studying the scriptures with the brothers or with the sisters and it seemed as if something that I'd never grasped became clear to me in that moment that was the time when I understood what it meant to be justified by faith That was when I appreciated what God had done for me from my childhood. That was the day I understood what a blessing it was to have a godly father or mother. And it was then, and it was then, and it was then, and it was then, and it was then. That is my God. And that is what he has been to me every day of my life. The day you're converted It's not just the day you think that you have received the greatest of all God's benefits. It's the day you begin realising just how many benefits you've enjoyed. You ever thought how often you've died or nearly... Sorry, how often you've nearly died? (laughs) Maybe for some of you there is that experience, but how often you've nearly died? I remember thinking after God in his mercy was pleased to save a stubborn and sinful teenager... About that time that I nearly drowned. And that time that I fell out of a tree or off a wall and only landed on my head rather than some tender part of my body. That time I was rolled in the waves at the seashore. And that time I ran out of the gap between the hedges and stopped, looked down and saw the wheel of the car go two inches away from my toe. And I don't even remember the time that I nearly died when I was a child from an infection. And I haven't got a clue some of the things of which I've been spared for. 
And at any one of those points, I might have been snatched away. I would never have turned to Jesus Christ. How many sermons did you hear before you were saved? How many friends spoke to you? Perhaps parents who kept you on the straight and narrow way in the sense that you were not running after the evils of this world. At the very least, some of you may have had friends or family members who kept you from some more extravagant forms of sin. But you were kept and you were guided. And even on the very day you were converted, you marveled that God had brought you to that point. And since then, Christian, there has not been a moment in your life, not a day you have drawn breath, not a year that you have been spared to live and serve on God's earth, when you have not known many varied, divine, personal, sustained and gracious benefits toward you. And I need the Spirit's help to remember all my Lord's benefits. So, how I need to remember. How do I need to remember the Lord's benefits, not to forget them? Well, I need to do it carefully. I need to take time to do it. We don't meditate very often in these days. And I don't mean empty our minds, I mean fill them. I'm not talking about the the foolish and carnal meditation where we just try and press everything away. I mean stopping to think about what God has said and what God has done. To pause and to ponder. Find a little notebook. Use the one that you use on the Lord's Day if you want, if you make notes in the church. Before you go to bed this evening, just for ten minutes or for five. If you're one of those people who fall asleep quickly, if you're not... Do what David sometimes did in the night watches. Think about what God has done for you. Carefully consider and make the connections. Take time, trace out the dealings of God with you. Start with the last day. Look back over the last week. Think how even in your confusions, your distresses, your grievances... The Lord has drawn near to give light and to bring comfort and to lead you in the way. Consider how sins that you might have hidden have been exposed. What a benefit of God toward you. Think about how you might have been isolated and alone. And yet God had friends, Christians, who were ready to help you. What a benefit of the Lord toward you. Do it humbly. Do it humbly. I think we neglect many of God's benefits because we're not persuaded they really are benefits. We've forgotten that they're gifts. We need to step back and we need to think about what we have deserved and what we've actually received. And to recognise that the least of the mercies of God comes to us all and utterly undeserved. We need to remember he has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not punished us according to our iniquities. We need to do it regularly. You can do it when you wake up in the morning. Thank you, Lord, that I am awake this morning. Thank you that I wake up with the particular comforts, blessings and mercies that I've received. Do it at the end of the day. If only for a few minutes before you sleep, give yourself some fuel for thankful prayer at the end of a day. Pillow your head with a a sense of God's blessing toward you. Do it daily. Sometimes do it hourly. If you find yourself sliding away from this, if you find yourself drifting into ingratitude and complaining, take yourself in hand. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Come on, man. Come on, woman. What are you like? What do you have? Who do you have? Stop this dark spirit of yours. Stop this decline into misery. Remember what God is to you and for you in Christ. Take some special seasons. 
What do you do on your birthday? Wouldn't that be a good time to review the Lord's benefits toward you over the course of the past year? Or New Year's Day or New Year's Eve? What have I received over the course of the past year? What can I look forward to in the year that lies ahead? And take time. Perhaps write it down. But put those things before your eyes and before your soul. Then do it prayerfully. Remember, the aim of this is not just to bless, but it is to bless the Lord. I think there's a sense in which we can almost dissociate these things from God himself. These are not just benefits, they are his benefits. He has given them. Do I go back to him with my thanksgivings? Do I, as it were, take the catalogue back to God and say, Father, thank you for this. And thank you for this. Oh, and how good you've been to me in this. And I never even realised this until tonight. But now you've done this, and you've shown me this, and you've blessed me in this way, and you've given this to me, and you've given this one to me, and you've given me this relationship, and you've given me this favour, and it, oh God, is from your hand. There's the training of the soul heavenward. That stirs our sense of God as our Father on high. We need to express our thankfulness not just say, as it were, well, that was a nice bunch of benefits. But thank you, Father, for your benefits toward me. Then we should do it privately and publicly. Do it before God when you're alone. There may be some benefits for which you thank him that others don't need to know about and perhaps wouldn't be benefited or edified by. But wouldn't it be good if rather than pity parties... We had Thanksgiving parties. Rather than spending all our time commiserating with one another because of what we lack, we give thanks together for what we have received. Yes, we can weep with those who weep, but let's also rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's not pour salt into wounds. The Proverbs warns us against doing that. But let us at least remind one another and testify to one another. There may be saints among us who find this difficult and we can encourage one another what benefits have you received this day when we sing together when we give thanks to the lord together in the church when we pray on wednesday evenings one of the great benefits of you being here is that not only are we asking god for the things that we need we are praising god for the things we have received do you come with thanksgivings do you come thinking, yeah, I want to praise God for this tonight. I want to thank God for this tonight. And so often, again, they're, they're blended together. We, last Wednesday, we talked about the opportunities we'd had in the community, in Walstead Court and elsewhere, to, to speak of Jesus Christ. And every name was a thanksgiving that we'd had the chance to tell of Jesus Christ. And every name was a prayer to God that the Lord of glory and grace would bring his gospel to bear upon those souls. And then let's do it joyfully. How do you think David sounded when he wrote or sang Psalm 103? I'll not make mock of it. But you can't read it, can you, as if you're downcast? Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. David was a man who knew how to mourn, wasn't he? David was a man who knew how to grieve. David was a man who sometimes found his heart burdened and distressed with the troubles that he faced but when David got to praising, David took his soul in hand and said, you have good work to be about soul. Let us get on with this task and its proper place and in its appointed way. When we understand the benefits of the Lord and remember that you may praise God through your tears. Those strange combinations of time and experience and circumstance where perhaps bowed down and burdened 
you can still thank God for his benefits in holding you up when you are otherwise so soon to be crushed. Let there be no grudging gratitude. Don't give with one hand and take away with the other. When God has given you his benefits, bless him from your soul. All that is within you can bless his holy name. Now the world that we're in and the hearts that are in us make it very easy for us to treasure up the worthless junk and neglect the priceless treasure. Make it very easy for us to be tenacious about our grievances and careless about our goodnesses. So talk to yourself tonight. Sing to yourself in a moment and to one another. Flush out the foul. Forget what is worth forgetting and fix upon what is fair, what is good, what is pure, what is decent, what is righteous and what is holy. Do you remember how the Apostle Paul encourages the Philippians when he speaks about their, uh, the things that he wants them to consider? Whatever things are noble, whatever things sorry, are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Christian, God has given you a great abundance of such things to consider. And if you are not his tonight... They are all yours for the simple asking of them because of Jesus Christ. And so before you pillow your head tonight, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This was meant to be a shorter sermon. <laughs> But all those benefits, all those goodnesses, and we've barely scratched the surface. May God help us not to forget.